From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Radio Hour. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to be looking at Julie Sly, the editor of the Catholic Herald Magazine. Julie, good Hi, day Bob. to you. How are I you? I thought you were going to say I had a face for radio. You, well, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I got told that so many times. <laughs> people, uh, some people don't get it, but the rest of us do. Oh. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. I started behind the typewriter, and that's where I still I d- am. I, I do remember. Uh, you know, it's funny because, I, you know, I write a column for a living as well. And it's, I, I, I was talking to somebody who said, I, I said, it's, it's actually a real private thing. You know, they said, well, you're writing to all these people. Presumably they're going to read it. I said, yeah, but you don't realize that when you're writing. You're writing, usually you're alone in a quiet room. Correct. And, and if, you, if, if your words were being typed up on a big screen to an audience, it would be intimidating. You'd, you'd be worried about every word, you know. Right. And every typo, the audience would groan. And, you know, <laughs> you know. And so, so, so yeah. real, it, I've it, always it, been in a room alone yeah. unless I was in a coffee shop or something yeah. like that but that doesn't happen that sometimes often. they'll have the, the, like the news aloneness. on tv or something you know just to for background oh noise. sure but yeah but it's a it's a very it's a public audience but it's a very private thing radio's the same way you have no sense of the audience i remember being on a like a national i i, I wasn't hosting it. i was a guest on like a national tv show that had an audience Mm-hmm. And it was so, it was live. It was so different that there was this theater audience there. And you're used to being, you know, one or two people. So Right. Plus, you have to be dressed for an audience. Yeah. You can't be in your PJs. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I do remember once um, when I had a radio show on KFBK, once in a great while they would take us out on the road. Like at Christmas time, we'd be at Macy's or something where there would be they set up folding chairs and people could meet the oh, host kind of thing. And I, I remember after doing a, a segment and then you greeted the audience and, and this woman came up to me and she said, where's Bob Dunning? And I said, I'm Bob Dunning. And she says, no, you're not. <laughs> She'd listened to the voice for, oh. for a few years or something and had in her mind what that voice looked like. Yes. And I didn't look like the voice. <laughs> <laughs> what a disappointment just, you were. It, she was disappointed, I could tell. <laughs> so you never know. Uh, True. So having a, uh, having a face for radio is not such a bad thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I try not to have my face in the magazine. It has been in there. Well, it's in there once by accident. By accident. Yeah. Oh, because, we're, we're photographers. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, it was a few months ago when the cover story was on St. Robert uh, Parish and school about safe environment and things like that. And so um, our photographer, Steve, I had gone with him that day. I believe it was, I think it might have been All Saints 
Feast of All Saints with the Mass. Right. Yeah, and so I attended the Mass, and then he was shooting the congregation, right. and later on I saw I was in one of the photos. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise... But we're not going to do worse, Waldo, or anything. No, 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 no. <laughs> Exactly. Only I know about it, so I'm not going to tell what photo it's and in. Julie's been uh, editor of the Catholic Herald from the time it was in print, just black and white. It's always in print, but when it was a newspaper, it was newspaper style, uh, came out what every couple of weeks. It was uh, originally weekly, and then we went to kind of a bi-weekly, weekly schedule, and then we went to twice a month, except monthly in the summer, I think. Yeah, then we went in six times a year magazine. To the magazine. Yes. And the magazine it was it's been a real challenge, but it's turned out beautifully. Um, yeah, it's just a different I think actually we've followed we've been able to feature way more individuals in the magazine than we have in the newspaper, just because in the amount of time we have to write stories and such. So, um, and it's been fun for me. I've met a lot of people in the last 12, 13 years that I might not have met, might have met otherwise. otherwise. Yeah. Do, do, do you have a favorite story, a favorite feature, a favorite looking back? Um, well, of course, I think the first issue, I can't remember the woman's name, Tiffany can't remember her last name but we told her story of healing after abortion mm -hmm. so i think a first story you know the ever story right. um and i've done some uh did a really interesting story with anthony devito about um uh and i think that was maybe five or six years ago on mm -hmm. the cover um and that was about him dealing with I believe two out of his four children um, had mental illness, and he had to deal with that as a single mm. parent, and then he also became very involved. He's been on our independent review board uh -huh. for the diocese. I don't believe he was at the time I interviewed him. He was still working at the, I think, believe he worked in the attorney general, state attorney general's uh -huh. office for like 35 or 40 years. He was an attorney. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and he might have been on the Agricultural Labor Relations Board. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, he had two children who are adults now who dealt with mental illness. Mm -hmm. And he was a single parent. So we told, and then one of his sons, and he ended up, um, I believe he was in very involved with the National Alliance of Mental Illness mm -hmm. here in the county. And he and his son actually ended up um, doing presentations and training oh, wow. some of the incoming sheriffs for the county about dealing with people on the street with mental illness. So that one comes to mind. Yeah. Um, oh, just a lot. Divorced Catholics. I mean, I did that story recently on Ryan... Mahoney mm -hmm. and him uh, being a rancher and deciding yeah. to do that. I think you had him I, on the show. Did. I loved that whole issue about Catholics on the farm, on the ranch. Yeah, uh, we might uh, do that again as there were certainly a lot of stories we weren't we yeah. could have done, but you know we have to limit them. Um, yeah, I can't. Well, I think also the one of um, 
oh gosh, I'm, his name has escaped me, Deacon Chuck Werner, mm-hmm. up on the Klamath yes, River. Way up in, yeah, and yeah. unfortunately that church was burned down or whatever. In Happy what, Camp. Happy Camp. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked in with him. I don't know if they're having mass there. It was there a little mission church. At all. Yeah. The mission church right. on the... Um, Native American reservation up there, right or on the Cl- right on the border, right on the Klamath River. Yeah, yeah. uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some of the um, so, yeah, I've had a chance to go, and I've been, you know, a lot of uh, small towns to do stories. Etna and Fort Jones, um, right up by Happy Camp. Why Rita? I have not been to Alturas and Susanville. In my whole, I'm going to be, I think, working for the diocese 28 years You in may December. have to deputize me. I would love to go to Alturas <laughs> and Susanville. Beautiful places. They're sure, beautiful you places. want to. <laughs> <laughs> that um, they are off the I haven't path. been there. Um, I don't know if I've ever been to Weaverville. I have. Uh-huh. They had a fire so, there in, the, in that area yes, too. Uh, yeah, uh, they've had Lewiston, a couple fires. Yeah, yeah. 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 But so, Weaverville's uh, boy, it's a if if you just plopped somebody down, Weaverville's about halfway between Reading and the coast. But uh, and you re- uh, you take two ninety nine. It's two ninety nine. Oh, and Arcata or you comes, comes right into Arcata, just, just okay. north of Eureka, and yeah, and Weaverville's right in the middle of it. That's the, probably one of our furthest west. Parishes. I'm trying to think as yeah, our diocese doesn't cover much, the well, coast. And, and Happy Camp and some of that would be pretty far west as well. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're also. And Alturas and Susanville would be east. the furthest east. Yeah, other than, you know, uh, South Lake Tahoe or Truckee. Right. Because they're right on they're right on the Nevada border. And then mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, Nevada kind of goes straight up. So they're all about the same. Yeah. But um, it, uh, Weaverville, if you, if you took somebody... And just dropped them in Weaverville and said, "What state do you think you're in?" <laughs> they'd 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 probably name about twenty different states. Um, what are the what's the what are the trees and stuff? Is it mostly it's most, pines? mostly mostly uh, yeah, it's mostly conifers. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, uh, the host is more. Well, at least pardon the host is more redwoods. Yeah, they don't don't have much of the redwoods yet. I did't uh, think so. Yeah, and but it's yeah. you know it's a, a it's it looks like a mountain town. It's it's uh, you know not it's not very high really. It is, I think it's fifteen hundred feet elevation or something. But right. it's in the Trinity Alps and right. And they do get some snow around there, and they they worry about forest fires a lot. And uh, oh sure. And it's really isolated. I mean, it's a long ways from everywhere. But mm-hmm. people that have lived there for generations, you know. And, yeah. Um, but it's a, a very very sweet town. Very fond of it. Right. So those are some that I remember. Um, I'm sure I can. If I took out the bound volumes, I can tell you more. But yeah. um, it, even though we only publish bi-monthly, I'm working, you know, like today, I'm really finalizing even the assignments for the September-October yeah. issue. But I've also got things in my file for the November-December Well, I remember issue. one time you did, so, a, you did a feature on, it wasn't in the magazine, it was in the newspaper, uh, on uh, Siskiyou, Siskiyou County and Mount Shasta, and they were going to have a fun run on the 4th of July and that, that sort of thing. 
and my wife and I actually went up and oh, be, because uh-huh. we read about it in the Catholic Herald. Oh, okay. Herald, we yeah, actually, I don't remember that. We, we, we have done uh, Mount Shasta and, and such in the magazine maybe five years yeah. ago. Yeah. Mount Shasta and Dunsmuir and McLeod yes. and all uh-huh. those all those mountain towns. Yeah. 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 It's a, such it's such a diverse diocese. You could not. You could not use one word to describe the diocese. Not really. Other than and we haven't even holy. talked about well, the yeah. suburban areas. Yeah. yeah. You know? and, and, we have, and we have a lot of areas of our diocese that are growing. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have a lot that are losing population. We have a it's lot hard that for are growing. That in California, but there are areas, especially uh, you know, like the, the Alturas and and those areas that, that it's hard for them to keep population. Oh yeah. And there's going to be some closing of prisons and stuff, mm-hmm. too, where some of those, a lot of people work for a department of corrections. So. You, you can see in some of those small towns like High Desert in Susanville that it's it's a shot in the arm to the economy uh, yeah. to, to have a prison there. Right. So, um, yeah, so we, yeah, there wouldn't be one word to our, our diocese. Well, diverse, I guess that would how be about, the how word. How about holy? We'll just say holy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, diverse, that'd be, that'd be it. Yeah. It's, it's got, it's got something. We, when it, you think about it, well, we've got how many thousands of square miles? I forget, you know, yeah. 40,000 square miles yeah, I, or I'm, something I'm like that. I'm always fond of telling people, people say, oh, California, it's all hot and it's all palm trees and stuff and i said well actually an hour and <laughs> not a ha- really <laughs> an hour and a half from the cathedral of the blessed sacrament in the same diocese as the blessed sacrament of, of sacramento they held the winter olympics yeah <laughs> yeah so we right. we got diversity yes and definitely. we have one of the most beautiful lakes in the world Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have the host, though. We gave away the well, ocean. Well, we, we do have Vallejo touches. <laughs> Vallejo touches the coast. Yes, the bay. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, we touch That's the coast. That's kind of stretching it. but. Well, Vallejo, Benicia, um, we, it's salt water. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> a Where the fresh water meets the salt water. It's not water. as much of a stretch as the University, University of the Pacific being in Stockton. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder yeah. what happens to it. A kid shows up for the first day of class and they says, where's the beach? Oh, I think they know. <laughs> so, um, uh, well, let me, I'm here to talk about the July August yes, issue, absolutely. which has a lot about um, the Eucharistic revival going on nationwide and in our diocese. So, um, those who don't know, it started last year at kind of the diocesan level and we had some articles about that and now um with uh the feast of corpus christi it's starting at the parish level this year so um we do have a diocesan committee that is was established and the parishes now are going to take up some of the activities of the eucharistic revival and the theme is real presence real life with the three revival pillars of encounter, hospitality, and charity. Mm-hmm. So the hope is that each parish school and deanery will take advantage of this opportunity to lead people to a more authentic encounter with Christ and the Eucharist, have a deeper understanding of the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, and go out to be missionary 
disciples. So we have some articles um, about how people are doing that in faith and in action. So our cover story is about um, Martin Wong, who is a parishioner at St. John Vianney Parish in Rancho Cordova, and how he helped to revitalize the altar ministry, mm. altar server ministry there. And so um, one of the things that happened during the COVID-19 pandemic is not only were our churches closed for some time, but it effectively kind of shut down the altar server ministry yep. that was yep. happening in in most parishes. So um, this is a story of where they went from zero altar servers to 35 now in that parish, and he's helped to revitalize wow. the altar server Boy, it's ministry. Just, it's just amazing how many different uh, ministries and things you, you, you I heard that from St. Vincent de Paul Society, you know, the volunteers were down and, and uh, uh, Sacramento Food Bank, they, they actually had to tell a lot of their volunteers who were elderly to, during COVID. Oh, you, that they couldn't. You couldn't sure. come, even if you wanted to. You right. Know, and, and, right. And building that back up is, is hard. Right. So uh, Martin looks at it as a formation opportunity, he said. Um, so he looks at it, he says, children were yearning in many ways dying for an opportunity to be seen and heard by parents, friends, and teachers after kind of a period of isolation and inactivity. So he's been trying to immerse the young people in the mass to feel the deepness of Christ's love and mercy. So the parish today has now 35 altar servers that he says uh, their recruitment approach was rooted in personal invitations and come-and-see vocational mindset. Hmm. Um, half the altar servers come from the school and half them come from the parish in general. Uh, he says, I don't think there's a single child that wasn't personally asked to serve with the question of, have you ever thought about being an altar server? He says, initially that was met with some hesitant responses, but they were encouraged that they wouldn't be alone when they're serving and that they should try and give it a uh, go and participate in a training session. He uses the language of discernment, meaning come and see what it's about, helping to understand what their personal roles will be in meeting the needs of the church and by answering it as a column, as a calling. Uh, he said, first, he describes altar service as a job. Servers commit to serve the priest at Mass at least once a month including carrying out functions such as setting up the altar, the procession, ringing the bells, and other liturgical actions. He also explains it as a ministry to the congregation. The congregation is watching us when we stand, when we sit, when we kneel, and they're taking cues from us. Um, and that their posture and prayerful presence become a bridge between parishioners and God. Lastly, training emphasizes altar service as a vocation, part of the continuous calling of God to serve his will. 
He emphasizes the emphasizes with how children have a, a thousand reasons why they cannot commit <laughs> to altar service as they're busy with sports, they're tired, they have homework. But he says we focus on the one reason why they should because they're called by God. So the commitment is for one school year, and when July comes, altar servers can discern whether they are called to continue or whether they are called elsewhere. So they have made their own decision. Yeah. I think it's sort of cool. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. You know, and and shows you what one person can do to to get things going. And it it reminds me... uh, at the uh, Vocations Dinner, which is coming up on the 24th of June at St. Paul in, on Florin Road, uh, the 10th Annual Vocations Dinner, they have a, a, a segment where they honor altar servers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mostly meet the seminarians and uh, raise raise funds for the seminarians, et cetera. But, uh, and, and the, as the names are announced, Bishop Soto greets each of the altars. So they come up individually, just beaming. They just bounce up to the podium to... And, and get their picture taken with Bishop Soto and they get mm-hmm. a certificate. And um, if, if you have an altar server in the family, you're, you're an altar server, contact the, uh, the, the local Knights of Columbus and uh, or the diocese, the Office of Vocations, and let them know you're coming to the dinner mm-hmm. on, on Saturday the 24th and uh, give them your name so you can get a certificate and your picture taken with the bishop. Right. It's, it's one, of the, one of many highlights of the Vocations Dinner. So, um, yeah, he also relates it to the hints that um, it's a, that they're serving, they're going to set up for the family meal. You know, that's right. the main right. thing that he emphasizes with them. Um, so um, they also serve at Christmas dinner and the Lenten soup dinners. So it helps them connect the dots and aim perspective regarding the community coming together for family meals. Boy, is St. Yeah. John Vianney lucky to have uh, yeah. Martin Wong. Yeah. He is also, I think, chair of their pastoral council. Yeah. I bet he's a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, I, I like to, uh, Lynette and Mate Nino wrote this story. We've got some great photos here by Steve German during one of the masses, showing how mm-hmm. they're setting up and everything. Um, I, like, I like the, 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 the it was the photo of uh, um, Isabella Marie Euler, Euler preparing, preparing for, preparing mass. for mass. It's yeah. A, it's a really a touching photo. Yeah. So um, uh, I like the tips here that... Uh, for revitalizing the altar server ministry. Don't allow children to discern yes or no without fully knowing what they're discerning. Yeah. So what are they actually committing to? Yeah. Once they put on the out, it changes their perspective and their imagination about what is possible for them and what they're called for. Meet the children where they are. Collaborate with formation teachers. Bring initial training sessions to their classrooms. Extend intentional invitations to children who may seem to be on the cusp of disengagement. Walk with them to bring them back, immerse them in the mystery of the Mass. Be involved 
and help me use celebrating life events and monitoring any hint of burnout. Be intentional in guiding them to grow and connect with other sap sacraments in their opportunities to serve. For, for example, they can be involved in sibling baptism, First Communion, Confirmation, RCIA rites, funerals, and special celebrations. And also adapt the language of discernment. Uh, follow up and ask them, where are you called? Where you see yourself fitting into this parish family? So I thought those were all good tips. Yeah, very good, very good. Yeah. And this this is going to inspire other kids to do what uh, what uh, Mr. Wong has done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so that's our cover story. We also have... Um, um, I don't know if you've had him on the program now, Eric Patrick. Yes, he's our have. new priest. Yes, oh, you already have. had him yes. on. Okay. Yeah. So in the story about his ordination, um, he's from, I believe, um, uh, Our Lady of Mercy Parish in Reading. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, he's 35 years old. Um, I believe he's in it, me at St. Charles Borromeo mm -hmm. Parish in Sacramento for his first assignment. So he had many years where he discerned before he sure. decided to enter seminary. Um, and um, he also talks about um, encountering other teens during his um, journey who shared his faith and weren't necessarily um, his siblings, <laughs> although he has some siblings. Um, I believe he grew up on a farm, I think. Grew up yeah. in, in Whitmore. Oh, in Whitmore. In very okay. near Reading, but a yeah. very, very small place. Yeah. So um, he um, also talks about um, uh, eventually going to daily mass um, in college, and he continued that as much um, in the interlude between college and seminary that became the biggest source of strength and grace in his life. So certainly he's someone who's embraced the meaning of the Eucharist in his own life. He says, I can see how God is active in my life. The grace is given where I have fallen, where I can do better. Um, Here's an impressive interview, I'll tell you that. Uh -huh. Yeah, just his, just his life story and um, his path to the priesthood. Um, every every path's different. True. You know. Yeah. He says, the Eucharist is the source and summit of Christian life. Um, he says, those words can feel academic if we're not working on our relationship with God and turning to God. So, um, anyway, so I'm glad you had the interview with him. And um, um, by, by um, attending Mass and adoration of the Eucharist, he says, we become aware not only of God's grace in our lives, but also of what we need to work on. So, anyway, so Amen. has that already aired? Or is that going to be coming up? I believe it's aired. Okay. And um, let's see what else here. We Eric, have Eric's just an impressive guy. Uh, 
I love talking to the seminarians. Yeah. Well, he's no longer a seminarian, but yeah. he was when I <laughs> talked to him. He was about three Only more was. about three more days. Oh, and okay. then he was going to be okay. what, uh, June third, I believe. Was then his. we also have a story and some photos here at Bishop Emeritus William Weekend, who celebrated his sixty years of priestly ordination a couple of weeks ago. And we got to talk on to June Bishop Weekend as well. Right. And, oh, what a treat that was. Yeah. I just, that probably was the whole hour. It, it, was, was, Bishop whole, it, it was the whole hour, <laughs> and he was just—he's—he's uh, he's such a church man. He's such a dedicated church man, and just do- devoted his whole life, you know. And and then spent all those years in Columbia. Mm-hmm. Came from a small town in Idaho, and uh, was in the diocese of Boise, which. Uh, is the entire state of Idaho. Right. And then goes down to Columbia for about 10 years and as a, part of a mission from the, the Diocese of Boise. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not quite yes. sure how that, how that happened. Well, many dioceses during that time, it was after Vatican II, mm-hmm. and there was, um, forget which document of Vatican II, but they were called to be missionaries to right. other parts of the world. Right, and this yeah. was a very poor area. And yet he he went back at some point in recent history, and and said that it had transformed. It was much more middle class, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but still saw some of the people that uh, had been his right. parishioners then, and I, I'm sure he had great fondness for it. And yeah. then he told us all about his liver transplant uh, from a living donor, Dan Haverty, who's now a deacon, mm-hmm. Deacon Dan Haverty, uh, was the fire chief of Folsom at the time. And that story, what was it? Was a big story in the news in Sacramento. Here's, here's a uh, well, it's yeah, it's been 18 years ago, 2005. Yeah. I think at that time too, they kind of said if he had another five years, that would be great yeah, from the and, liver transplant. And he, you know, he was he, he just he had had some problems with it for some time. Yeah, for and, quite a long time. Yeah, and and uh, they. Uh, they found the living donor, and just hearing the medical procedures, we did a number of shows on it leading up to it, and and the medical procedures um, that you could take part of a living person's liver right. and transplant it uh, and, and remove the entire diseased liver from the bishop right. and then transplant this part of the liver and and. I don't. I think it's essentially cutting it in half, but it was a yeah. You know, and then it regenerates. And, and then it regenerates in both people. Right. It's remarkable. And, Definitely. And, and like yeah. you say, eighteen years ago, so he would have been. He's eighty-six now, so he would have been about sixty-eight. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, they, you know, I've been at events where both Bishop Wiegand and uh, uh, Dan Haverty are there. Right. And Dan Haverty are there. And uh, they became obviously best of friends, and uh, what a just uh, just a remarkable story. The bishop repeated a story I had heard him tell before, that uh, it, the surgery was done at, at UCSF, University of California, San Francisco Medical Medical Center, there, one of the top hospitals in the country, and he said he, you know, he basically said his prayers before he before they put him out you know yeah and uh 
he said he woke up and he looked across the room and his two brothers were sitting there. Oh, wow. And he said, I know I'm not in heaven. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And he recounted that story again oh, when okay. we had him on recently. Okay. I don't remember hearing that one, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. And he says, yeah, that's a yeah. true story. Dan is actually interim chief right now for Sacramento Metro Fire. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. he's, I didn't, I saw well, him at the mass. He's been interim he's in chief for Emmer Folsom. He's been interim chief for Los Rios, Lodi. He's always interim chief somewhere. Well, it's like, it's like he's in the bullpen. I mean, yeah. they, they know he's, he's got talent and, yeah. and, 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 and knows, knows the business very, very well. And so maybe you're between chiefs or something. And right. Let's call Dan. Yeah, because he can he can step right in. He's yeah, a, I know, don't know how long he's going to continue to do it. <laughs> well, Maybe a, at some point he'd like to retire. I don't a, know. The but picture yeah, of health. He, he's coming you. out of yeah. retirement. Yeah. yeah. So well, um, he likes to serve. That's, yeah, uh, there's, definitely. There's a lot to that. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's Bishop. Uh, we and we also have another um, story about. Jose uh, Barraza, actually, it's Josu Barraza. He's a youth minister at St. Lawrence Parish in North Highlands. And um, he has a a special um, devotion to Blessed Harlow Hutus. Oh, yes. um, Who is, uh, I guess he's already been declared blessed on his way to canonization his name is all the rage i mean is it oh okay the teenagers know all about him Uh uh-huh they they really do i think i think a lot maybe a lot of people don't know about him but the teenagers really do is it's like a it's it's a contemporary you know Mm -hmm. it's a it's somebody they can relate to right and he uh lived in italy from 19 well he was born in italy 1991 he passed away in 2006 and um, he um, had a special uh, devotion to the Eucharist. He was very open and unafraid about his faith and relationship um, with Jesus. He um, attended daily Mass, adoration and prayer, uh, wanted to share the mystery of the Eucharist with the world. So, um, Jesus Min sharing this with um, his fellow youth in the youth ministry group at St. Lawrence. Um, And so um, uh, he's vowed to that wherever he goes, he would help people become closer to Christ, just as Harlow did. And um, he's um, introduced the... Uh, patron saint idea to his youth group and in, introduced a whole new crowd of young people to the mission of Blessed Harlow. Um, so he I, did I, this during the pandemic shutdown mm-hmm. to help the youth have someone to look up to. So um, anyway, he tells his story about how um, it's made him more... Um, <laughs> how it made him more focused on the saintly role of Harlow and how that the youth always need models for someone to look up to. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you, you see a picture of him uh, in the Herald, and he just looks like your 
average teenager. Oh, Carlo does. Yes. Carlo does. Yeah. 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 You know, he's got his sunglasses kind of stuck to his right, shirt right, and um, just looks like a regular old kid. And, right. And yet, um, with just he's taken the world by storm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really has. Yeah. Um, um, it's 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 a it's a it's a remarkable story. So, um, um, Hosu says that blessing him um, introducing blessing Harlow to the other youth who are in his youth ministry. Yes, they have about thirty members, raise, ranging from sixth grade to high school, um, and they've been um, able to also be encouraged to be altar servers. Many of them participate in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, and he says, basically, it's just inspiration to them to get to know Jesus through the Eucharist. So um, they've all been encouraged to read Pope Francis's writings. Uh, Hosu says, my thing has always been advocating for youth, helping them and helping other people to understand how they fit into our Catholic communities. So I think youths now need a lot of encouragement. We had a lot of young people and young adults who don't have any particular attachment to the church. So I think we always have to be. In fact, there was a new Pew research study um, out the other day that shows what a decline we've actually had in young people and especially the Latino community. There's and been a huge a, drop a since 2010. Baptisms, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, and marriages, another yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they say Blessed Carlo really used the uh, technology. Right. Although Nancy mm-hmm. wanted to remain unattached, limited himself to one hour per week. I don't wow. know. We have young people limiting themselves <laughs> no. to one hour. Yeah. Uh, how per about week, limiting yourself but... to one hour per hour? <laughs> <laughs> or one minute per hour. Yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah. I mean, yeah. there are kids that are just. I, I, I remember being in a, a, a pizza parlor and there was this teenager. He was working there, you know, and he was, you know, clearing the tables and stuff. And he was clearing them all one handed. Oh, <laughs> because with his the other, phone? The, yeah, he did the phone oh. in one hand. And the, yeah. And, and, you know, well, I think it is an addiction. It, it, is it easily becomes an addiction. It's, it's sort of yeah. like. Uh, you know, I don't know it, what we did in the past the time uh, yeah, before. I mean, didn't we read books or we brought a book with us or something? They're sitting in the car at intersection. You can see them flipping through yeah. whatever. You yeah. Know, they just, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, what did we do? I don't know. <laughs> I remember. I guess we were meditating or reading a book or something. <laughs> I, I when we were waiting for our doctor's appointment uh, yeah. or waiting for whatever. On summer yeah. evenings, we'd go play hide and seek in the neighborhood. You oh, know, okay. And, Somebody couldn't find Bobby. They didn't pick up their cell phone and call him. <laughs> oh, well, you have four young adults. How? What would your reflections be on how to keep them involved in the church or interested in? Or well, you don't have to you share the deep you secrets. Can't, you can't do it, you know, by force. Yeah, and and ultimately, if you do it by force, you're going to lose them. I mean, you know, they're not going to live at home forever. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can 
quote unquote make them go to mass. I mean, I mean, there, there's just stuff you you do as a as a as parent. We go to mass on Sunday morning. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just what we do. You know, and and uh, somebody, uh, well, we just never we never really faced that. I'm not I'm not going. You know, or, uh-huh. or I don't want to go or any anything like that. Yeah. But as, as they get older, um, and and they go away to college or they do whatever. You know, they join the military or they get married or they whatever um you don't have that same influence on them and you've got to plant those seeds and 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 water them you Mm -hmm. know and nourish them and uh, the the number one thing is example yeah if 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 i'm Telling Shelly and the kids, you go on to mass. I'm going to watch the 49er game. They <laughs> they realize that dad doesn't really take this too seriously, uh-huh. you know. Or or if dad and mom both say, oh well, you know, we had a late night last night. We're just uh, we don't have to go to mass today. Or or and and it's I always like and instead of calling it a holy day of obligation, calling it a holy day of opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean. Think about what opportunity you have by going to Mass. Think think of what this world would be like if you didn't have God, if you didn't have Mass, if you didn't have the Eucharist, if you didn't have that belief in God. Uh, I mean, we, we can turn to God, you know, with praise and thanks for wonderful things, but we usually turn when we got a need of some kind. And Sure. But imagine, you know, as you're, you're facing some difficult things and— there's, you don't have God in your life. Mm-hmm. It's, and 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 I, I hope that Shelly and I have managed to um, really instill that in them. And and that because I think if you do, even even people who maybe will fall away a little bit, they'll come back. Right. They, they'll come back. They mm-hmm. it's their it's their baseline. It's their you know. And it's not a a psychological thing. Well, you need God. It, God's real. God exists. You know, it doesn't. And if, if, if you don't believe in God, God stills there and God still cares about you. Well, I think in times of hardship too, whether it's illness or loss of job or whatever too, if you have kind of a basic foundation that there's hope, you know, or then another door is in an open or, you know, um, God will help me through this illness, what, however it comes out. Yeah. Well, but uh, if you don't have any kind of grounding in spirituality at all, then I guess hard. you're sort of like, well. You're just adrift. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, recently we had several terrible stabbing deaths in, in my hometown. Yeah. And one of the obituaries for the young, a young UC Davis student who was killed, yes. who was, he was going to graduate in about yeah. three weeks. Was he Muslim? I forget. I believe yeah. so. Yeah. And, and his father taught at the university. His father taught at the yeah. university. And the obituary probably ran within a day or two. Yeah. And it began, we grieve his loss and we um, miss him terribly, but we accept the will of God. It was mm-hmm. right in the first yeah. paragraph I remember of, seeing of that the obituary. Now. And yeah. It was like, Wow. You know, I mean, wow. I mean, he had been brutally murdered yeah. randomly. Just you know, walking just through the park. Or, riding his yeah. bike through the park yeah. and got attacked and by uh, who, uh, not an enemy of his, just a, a, yeah. a, a person who obviously has is very disturbed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
but to see the the forgiveness and the and the belief that this this was the will of God. I, I remember the same thing. We had a, a police officer uh, shot and killed. Oh right, a, a young yeah, Natalie. Corona. Natalie, uh, yeah, and her, her dad, who's a, a, a member of the Knights of Columbus, he uh, um, he spoke. I went to to a. They had a memorial service, and of course, law enforcement from all over the country came to right. this. Right? Wasn't here she from Arbuckle? He was from. Uh, he was a sheriff. Uh, oh yeah, a sheriff's patrol. He wasn't the sheriff. Yeah, uh, but he was a Clusie, a Clusie yeah. County. Uh, I think she was from Arbuckle. She was from Arbuckle. Yeah. Yeah. And and but she was living in Davis. Because right. She was a, a, a Davis police officer, very young. Right. And, and probably only a few months actually full-time on the force yeah but that they packed the basketball arena at the campus probably eight thousand people many law enforcement people like i said i, I walked to the parking lot and looked at the license plates on mm-hmm. the, and it was almost every state in the country and various people spoke you know the governor spoke right. the mayor spoke the dad got up to speak uh merced corona and he said, "She was. I mean, it was a, it was a fender bender, mm-hmm. but right. I guess it needed. It. And she was just there to help clear the road and stuff. Right. And somebody came up, came out of a house nearby, right, right in front of the Newman Center, in right. Davis, came up behind her and shot her. I mean, right. and, and the fire department's right across the street. Yeah, and she had instant care, and there was there was no hope, and." Her dad got up to speak, and he said, my daughter was exactly where God wanted her to be at that moment. What happened to her is exactly what God wanted to have happen, and we accept that that's God's will. We miss her terribly, but it was that was one of the bravest things. I've, mm-hmm. I was, and the, the audience was just... I think just stunned. Yeah. You know, there was no, there was no anger in his voice. There was no hatred in his voice. There was, again, it was one of those random things, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, the, the person who shot her went back to where he came from and shot himself. Yeah. And died. And, and, but it was just that enormous faith in God. Mm hmm. You know, it just, it was remarkable. Yeah. And the mom, Lupe, the same way. She didn't speak at the service, but people were just like, wow, what, what faith that man has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tough stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. But, you know, we're, we're very, 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 very lucky to have God in our lives. So you were talking about how do you instill that in your kids, you know, and, and primarily by example. Well, and I think it's how you react to certain situations yeah. too that come well, that, up in life. Well, that, that that's exactly that's exactly true. You know, I mean, if you <laughs> you leave mass and uh, somebody cuts you off in traffic, and you or 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 you know you're driving to mass, and man, we got to get there early because I want to get the best parking spot. <laughs> you know, we we want to park right near oh. the church. You know, or whatever. You know, or, yeah. Uh, it's 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 example. Yeah. How, how are mom and dad treating other people? Right, right, you know. right. So, so there's a lot, um, lot to that. So other stories, we've got one uh, interviewing a couple women from St. Mel Parish 
Fair Oaks, Hantley Baxter, and Karen Fitz, and they've been uh, involved in the uh, perpetual uh, adoration chapel at St. Mel's for both for about 30 years. Kathy Baxter has been involved in a lot of things. Oh, okay. I didn't know you interviewed her about other things. But, um, yeah, so they uh, talk about their experience of adoration, how they... um, uh, their lives have been touched, how they introduce other people to coming to adoration. Um, so that's been going a long time. They were affected a little bit during COVID, so they're not totally met to 24-7 on adoration, but I believe they do uh, have the chapel open. Let's see. I think it's something like till 9 or p- 10 p.m., um, every day, so um, hope people will read that. Um, yeah, Kathy is very involved in the Bishop Gagos home. Oh, is she? Well. Okay, yeah. Kathy yeah. says once you've experienced adoration on a regular basis, you can't just drop in once a year. <laughs> you discipline yourself to come once a week or once a month, or it's a vital part of your life. Once you've experienced growth in your personal relationship. With Jesus as your best friend, you will never leave him. And they talk a lot about how it's um, not in replacement of Mass, of course, but it's coordinated with Mass. And um, I think some people say, well, what do you do when you're in there? And and both of them have said, I've gone in there in times of good and bad times in my life. Sometimes I didn't even, I would just sit there and try and be with God, even though I was really angry about something or angry at my kids being teenagers or whatever. (laughs) So there's that story. We have a little column about how to spend time in Eucharistic adoration that might be helpful for people. Um, We've also got a story here about one of our newer deacons, John Thu, who is at St. Isidore Parish in Yupa City, and he's really taken to heart the Eucharistic revival, trying to be involved in um, Eucharistic processions and talking to people about the Eucharist, trying to devote homilies to how do we le- how we live out the Eucharist mm-hmm. in our daily faith lives. He's uh, was very interesting for me to talk to. He's been a math professor at Uba College in Mar- Marysville since 1995. He and his wife, Angie, have three children, ages 32, 28, and 15. He's originally from Singapore. Oh, wow. And um, so they've been involved in the Yuma City Marysville community for quite some time. Two great so, parishes there, St. Isidore's yeah, and then uh, St. Oh, Joseph Joseph's in Marysville. Marysville. But St. Joseph looks like a, uh, a mini cathedral. Oh, gosh, steps it is. Up, yeah. you know, Historical landmark. Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. church. Yeah. yeah. And St. Isidore has his own history. Right. You know. Right. And St. Um, Isidore the farmer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and also a uh, story about Father Stanley Polterat who's retiring as pastor at Presentation Parish. He can't retire. Everybody loves Father's Day. Oh, well, he's been 38 years. He's a great man. Um, I first met him when he was associate at St. Vincent Ferrer Uh in um, Vallejo. Uh 
I guess you probably knew him from Davis. Yeah, he spent way some back. time. Spent some he and time his mother Davis. moved here to Davis, from immigrated Poland, right? to Davis from Poland. Yeah, yeah, during the communist yeah. era in Poland. Yeah, and um, he was actually ordained at St. James. Did you know that, my Bishop Cummins? I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I, I knew he'd been uh, there, in James 1982. Sure. He actually was a disused Carmelite friar. Okay. Before he was incarnated into the diocese. Okay. But he was ordained by Bishop Cummins, as I think he knew Bishop Cummins from living there. Uh, well, no, it was before Bishop, well, Bishop Cummins was auxiliary of Sacramento oh, okay. for three here. or four when years. He here, yeah. And he lived in Davis with Monsignor oh, okay. Hoffey. Okay. Yeah. And um, so he was incarnated for Sacramento in 1992. He was pastor at Truckee for quite a long time and he's been at he was at St. Peter and Paul uh, as pastor in Rockland um, and uh, he's been at presentation for about the last six Uh years Mm -hmm. he's actually interestingly enough was asked to be chaplain to the Dominican sisters oh yeah um, who have their mother house in Ann Arbor Michigan they also staff that parish school with a few sisters so right. he's moving back to um their mother house in ann arbor to be the chaplain oh, wow. for a few years yeah i asked him about snow and he said oh i lived in Truckee. i can deal with uh, it he can do they get, <laughs> they, they get more snow in Truckee yeah. than they do in ann arbor yeah for, for sure yeah plus you can take in a michigan football game every now and true and then. i yeah. didn't ask him about that but i guess he'll probably, he probably will be able to so he had sort of an interesting background yeah very i mean i've known him but you know i know a lot of the priests but i don't know so i know their life's life stories yeah Yeah. he has a lot of interesting stories yeah he attended davis high school for one year wow before he became a boarding student at the former we used to have the saint pius the 10th seminary high school in Alt. right right yeah many years ago so Anyway, that's our issue, so quite a bit. Julie, that's a wonderful issue. Yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to dive into all. Of course, a wonderful column, as always, by uh, Bishop By Bishop Soto. about the Eucharistic revival and yeah. a little bit about some of the reading he's done lately. So, good. In every sacrifice of the Mass, how blessed are those invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb is the title of the Bishop's column. Always a uh, compelling read as well. That's uh, Julie. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks for all your great work. Uh, that's going to do it for us for today. God bless everyone. We'll talk to you again soon. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916 
972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in healthcare, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry, of Mi Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. 
uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. <laughs> 